Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dilmer. You guys don't may not know Dilmer. Dilmer is actually studying to be a pastor to go back to his country of Colombia. So let's give Dilmer a hand this morning for coming. He is. Uh, he came to our church through Language Learning Fellowship, and now he's studying the Bible to be a pastor to go back to his home country. What a what a blessing it is to have him a part of our body here. What a blessing it is to be with you this morning. It is Champs Camp Week, and we are exhausted. Before we do that, is Children's Church with Miss Marcy over here. So, if you are K through pre-K through third grade, and you'd like to go to Children's Church, now is the time to do that. A lot of our little ones aren't here this morning because they are exhausted, as well as we are all exhausted. But it's been a great week, and what uh, you should be proud of your youth. Should be proud of your volunteers. You should really be proud of your church for um, doing what was done. Your leadership here, uh, they did a great job. Hope and Cody uh, worked limitless hours to make sure that this thing went well. And as we talk, we are in our series called Limitless, our summer series, reminding us that we are preparing for eternity in this life. We are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and now we are given tools in this life to prepare us for eternity. Last week, we talked about stress and anxiety and how that can lead us or is supposed to lead us to trusting in the truth of God's word through prayer. And that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And this discipline of the faith in prayer, declaring the truth about God and about his word through our lips, we are actually proclaiming our trust in the sovereign plan of God and his goodness. So much like stress and anxiety, the topic that we're talking about this morning is also preparing us for eternity, yet in a different way. The topic this morning is shock and adversity, and it's producing in us a steadfastness of faith, as James writes in the book of James. So in the Limitless series on television, Chris Hemworth does for this challenge or this this topic an Arctic swim. And one of the reasons why they chose an Arctic swim in the Limitless show is because the body must react when confronted with major changes like cold water. And this adaptation to changing conditions, some believe is one of the things that over time makes your body better at activating its defenses. Some believe that this adaptability is the ultimate tactic for a healthy and resilient immune system. This is what they talk about in the show. This, they say, is why people who practice regular cold water swimming rarely get sick. They have an immune system that is more apt to adapt So, of course, I wanted to give it a try, right, for our summer series. 
Now, I will say this. It's not the brightest idea to swim in a lake in Oklahoma in February, but praise God, we had some medical professionals and some people guiding us the right paths who oversaw this project, but here's a video for that this morning. swimming in the in the uh, in the in the in the cold waters of uh, I think it was Norway or some Scandinavian country uh, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna swim in Oklahoma in a lake in February Well, we're going to do the swim right here, and we've got our medical professional, Nathan Bailey, with us today, and uh, so we're going to do the polar plunge. We've been looking at the temperature. It is February, and it's about 50 degrees, Nathan. I'm ready to go. Love you guys. See ya. Keep warm, kind of keep in the mental game. I think, you know, you'll start to shiver, um, stiffness. That's the big thing that we're going after. So we don't hit hypothermia until under 95 degrees on your temperature, but I think you can do it. It's going to be a mental thing for you. Can you can you stay in it? Can you fight the cold and just do what you do? Swim? Yeah. We have many people in our church who are struggling with real illness, real yeah. loss, real real issues that are you know broken in our world, and um, you know I just want to go into this knowing that the Lord can and will carry us through any trial that we face. And we have to expect that these trials will come. And when they do come, we need to have joy in the midst of the trial. Well, and you ask for help. I think that's another big thing what we can do as a church. I mean, at this point, this is fun. This is going to be a good graphic. We're going to get you out. And then it's over. Right. For a lot of people, I mean, you're in it. You're in these trials now. You're swimming in the middle of the lake. You need help. That's why we're right. here. That's why the church is here. So, Amen. Amen. There you go. So that, that, that's, your, that's your laugh at me moment this morning. And I will tell you, I had prepared a few weeks before in swimming. And so I felt like, yeah, I'm good shape. I'm, I've been swimming in a pool and I've been doing that, and I tell you what, about halfway, and you can't see it in this video, but about halfway in the middle of the swim, we, we were supposed to swim all the way across the lake, and Nathan goes, no, we're not going to do that. We're going uh, to swim just, just across to the other shore, the shoreline. And um, I was like, no, you know, I can swim all across the lake. About halfway, I tell you what, I could not breathe. The water temperature had gotten to my breath, and it had literally taken the breath away. I don't know if you've ever done something in which it's taken the breath away, but you're in the middle of the lake trying to swim in, in, in cold temperatures, and I could not br- breathe. And Nathan and uh, David Cottle are following in this little fishing boat behind me and filming this, and I literally say, I can't breathe. And they're like, get out of the water, get out of the water. I'm like, no, I've got to finish this. People are watching this clip. I've got to finish this thing. But um, I'll tell you what. For a guy who thought to himself, 
you know what, I'm pretty fit. Um, It really woke me up to the reality that I'm not all that, right? And really, that's what trials do in our life. It wakes us up to the reality of our need for the Lord, that we cannot do it ourselves, that we are not all that. I love the passage when Moses speaks to the people of Israel at the end of his life and says, essentially, once you have the good life and you have entered into the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey, and you have tasted and seen and it's good, you will forget about the Lord. This is what Moses says to the people. But when trouble comes, remember the song in which I sing. This is what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 20. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness. For it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know that they are inclined to do even today before I brought them into the land that I swore to give them. You see, this is why God gives his people tests or trials in which they walk through, they have shock and adversity. They have gone through these things so that they can be reminded of their need for the Lord. People who walk through very difficult times, they tend to have what we would call a rock-solid faith. Why? Because they have been through the fire They have not lost their faith in God and his promises, even when it is hard. So let's read God's plan for his people in the storm, trial, and adversary. Adversity. I I keep saying adversary. I'm like, what am I saying? Adversity. Thank you. Somebody said it on the first row. James chapter 1, verse 2 this morning. So if you'll stand with me, we'll read it together I'm tired, right? There you go. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in, in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without a reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith and not doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Praise the Lord for his word this morning. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth in the trials and adversity of our lives, we pray, Father, that we would trust in the promises of God, 
that we would trust in your word and in your character that you are at work in our hearts and minds. Lord, we thank you for this morning. And we thank you for those that are walking through the trials in their own lives this morning. May they be encouraged by your word and the truths of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It was 3.30 in the morning um, that I received probably the hardest call I had ever received as a pastor. Um, just, just so you know, my phone actually goes into sleep mode at 10.30 p.m., but if you call me, Twice within one minute after it, while it's in sleep mode, it will answer. So that's what um, one of our church, not one of these church members, it was the previous church I was with, but a young lady named Heather, she was a church member at the church I was pastoring at the time, she called. And you see, almost a year before this call, I had uh, visited another member of our church, a chaplain who was at the prison in Holdenville. And he was a middle-aged single man. And I can remember meeting in his office and he said, Pastor, I really, uh, I really feel called to this ministry to be a chaplain. But it's only a part-time job. And I don't feel like I can um, have a wife and have a family if I'm only working a part-time job, but God has given me this ministry of a chaplain. I, I work, I get paid part-time, but I work full-time, and I really feel like this is God's call on my life, but I really want to have a family one day, and I don't make enough money. So we sat in his office, and we, we prayed and asked the Lord if he if he would give him a full-time job or if he would extend the job that he had to be full-time. Pretty soon, a few weeks later, of course, God answers his prayer. He became the full-time chaplain at the prison. We, we began to grow in our relationship with one another and um, he asked me into his office again or I was speaking at the prison and we, t- we were talking again at, the, at, at his office and he said, you know... I j- Pastor, I think we need to pray that the Lord would bring me a wife. Um, I have a desire to be married and have a family. It just hasn't happened for me yet. And I said, well, let's pray right now. And of course, we prayed. And, and I saw this man grow in his faith. And pretty soon, you know, the Lord um, gave him someone that he met. Her name was Heather. And they fell in love. She moved to Holdenville. And a week before they were to be married, I got the call at 3.30 in the morning. And it was probably the hardest funeral I had ever done. And, uh, you know, I was really close to this man. Even thinking about this this week, I um, went back and looked at the funeral that I preached about um, this young man who, you know, the Lord had answered his prayers and he was about to be married, but then um, didn't get to see the wedding. And um, the Lord showed me something during that week. I actually went to the hospital that week because I was so distraught over this situation. But he showed me something that I had never seen before in the story of Lazarus. And um, I want to read that to you this morning. John chapter 11, verse 3. 
So the sisters sent to him, you know, these are the sisters of Lazarus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. It was this idea that was right here in the scriptures um, that I began to speak at Brian, Brian Weidman's funeral about the idea that Lazarus' illness and even ultimately his death and resurrection was for the glory of God. You see, God was using the trial of this man to show others that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. As Jesus would say later to one of Lazarus' sisters, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And this is the same idea that James proclaims. Why? We have joy in trials as believers. Not only proving the steadfastness of our faith, but also showing a lost and dying world how great and glorious our God is in the midst of our trials. That we do not live for this life, but we live for eternity. Because we know that when we have withstood the trial, withstood the test, we receive a crown of life. That's what Brian received, is a crown of life. And his story would be told even this morning to you. But look at verse 12 as James continues this thought process down. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. You see, the joy is connected to the eternal purpose and the plan of God in eternal life. So let's look at the text this morning. This is finding hope in shock and adversity. Verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. This is our first point this morning. It's thus. God's people have an unshakable joy. I love the scriptures, how they are so precise. And the scripture is precise here. It tells us like it is. It is not a conditional if, but it is a when. Not if you have trouble, not if you will have trials, but when you have trouble. Jesus says it like this in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Future tense. You will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. 
Yet for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, his church, our joy is not based upon our circumstance. Our joy is based upon the fact that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That we have the crown of life. Therefore, we can have joy amidst the trial. Again, the theme in this series, which we didn't really think of it this way at the beginning, but this is what the Lord keeps on telling us. Is that that which is eternal is what our mind and our heart and our life is focused upon. The worldly struggles we face will tend to move to the background. And the joy that we have in Christ will be magnified no matter what situation we find ourselves in. But pastor, how how can I count it all joy when... When I meet trials of various kinds, Pastor, I'm, I'm going through very difficult circumstances. Again, we go back to what does the Word of God say? How do we trust in His Word? Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Do we believe that God, even in our trial, is working for not only our good, but his glory? Do we believe that he has the best interest for us? We do. Therefore, we can have joy amidst the trial. Why? Because we trust that our God is at work. Even in the worst of circumstances, The pain, the heartache, the trouble is not meaningless. But our God is at work. And how do we know this? How do we know this? Because our God was at work when he sent his son to suffer and die upon the cross. His death, his pain, his suffering was bringing life for sinners. It was the cross of Christ that brought about forgiveness of sins and peace with God. It was the cross of God that would reconcile sinners to himself. And for us as Christians, if God chooses to use us to declare how good he is, if he chooses to use us in our suffering, then so be it. Because we trust our God is at work. The early disciples, they were thrown into prison after Jesus has been resurrected. They were teaching in the temple 
the gospel. They were preaching the gospel. And they were thrown into the prison in the middle of the night. The angel came to them and said, go speak in the temple. And then the morning, these disciples were what? Preaching the gospel in the temple. The religious leaders, the Jewish leaders are confused. And they, they're, wait, weren't they supposed to be in prison? So they give them a scolding and tell them not to say anything more. And this is what happens in Acts chapter 5 verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council. This is the disciples. They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. They were rejoicing in their suffering. They had joy in their suffering. Why? Because it was for the name of Christ. For believers, our life is Christ. Amen? So no matter what type of suffering it is, it's for the name of Christ. Why? Because our life is Christ. Why? Because we are able to declare the goodness of God. We are able to declare the gospel message even in our suffering. You see, God uses the broken world to declare man's need for the grace of God. And just as the rain falls upon the righteous and the righteous, the righteous and the unrighteous, so does the brokenness in the world fall upon the righteous and the unrighteous. Yet, for his people, for his church. He is working in the midst of it all. At the end of Joseph's life, he was given this wisdom. The wisdom in which I'm talking about, verse 5 talks about, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Joseph, after being sold as a slave by his brothers, falsely accused by his boss, forgotten in prison by his friends, Joseph says this. He says in Genesis 50, 20, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God was at work when Joseph was sold as a slave. God was at work when Joseph was falsely accused and thrown into prison. God was at work when the, his friend forgot him in front of the king. But God had not forgotten him. And God has not forgotten you in your suffering. And the wisdom that God wants us to have is that he is in control even in our suffering. 
Look at verse 3. For you know. What do we know? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. This is point number two this morning. God's people show the steadfastness of faith while being tested. God's people actually show a characteristic of God himself, his steadfastness. In the, in the Hebrew Bible, it's this hesed, this steadfast love. They show the steadfastness of faith while being tested. Let me ask you this question. Can you say, I will love God when the worst possible thing could happen to you. You see, part of having joy is knowing, having the knowledge. That's what it says here. For you know. Having the knowledge that God is at work in the midst of your trial. He's not wasting your trial. He's not wasting your cancer. He's not wasting your loved one's death. He's not wasting that slander you received. The job that you lost is not meaningless. The wealth that you have lost is not meaningless. The trial in your marriage is not meaningless. God is at work. And he is producing something in you that will lead to glory. The genuineness and the beauty of your faith that God has given to you. It becomes even more glorious under the heat and pressure of the trial. It's a test. No doubt, it is a test. Yet, in the midst of a trial, it's revealing something that only God, God could give to someone, and that is a genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I am on my knees because there are many in this church facing many trials in their lives right now. Some may be watching online, many may be in this room. And our prayer for you, is, as Nathan said, is that we would walk alongside you through the trial. That you have somebody to lean on. But our prayer for you is that you remain steadfast in your faith. Our prayer is that you reflect the glory of God because our God is steadfast. And he has an immovable love for you. He has a steadfast love, an unconditional love for you. An unshakable love. And he wants to reflect that through your love for him. You reflecting the character and nature of God himself. You know, one of the characters in the Bible that experienced great adversity, great trials, great shock 
was the character of Job. He experienced trials on a level that many of us will never experience. He lost all of his wealth. He was extremely wealthy in the blink of an eye. It was gone. His business, his wealth, everything he had, gone. In the blink of an eye. He had a tremendous family. Many sons and daughters in the blink of an eye. They were gone. He lost his own health. And eventually he lost his friends or he was slandered by his friends. An incredible amount of loss. Very painful for Job. This is what Job says in Job thirteen fifteen. It's actually kind of funny. He says this, the first line is not that much, but the second line is, though he slay me, I will hope in him. And then he says this funny line, yet I will argue my ways to his face, right? (laughs) Oh man. Isn't Isn't that how we want to respond sometimes to trials? But that first part, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Hmm. It's okay to lament. It's okay to ask God, hey, God, why are you giving me this? It's okay to call out to the Lord for rescue, for salvation, to come out of the trial. Jesus asked the Lord to take the cup of the cross from him. Matthew 26, 39, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He placed his trust in the hand of God. If this is the road and the path that you want me to walk, this I will go. Take it from me, but if you have a plan in this adversity, in this pain, in this suffering, I will walk it. Let the trial that which refines God's people show that we are actually children of God and reflect his glory through the faith that he gives to us. Verse 4, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is our third point this morning. God's people become like Christ through trials. God's people become like Christ through trials. This week at Chance Camp, we showed the kids, Cody talked a little bit about it. We showed the kids three paths and the character Peter chose to walk these three paths that led to destruction. 
One was the path of pleasing the flesh or candy land path. Do, just do whatever feels right to you. Take and eat. The guy ended up eating a huge gummy bear and became sick. And anyway, went to the lake of chocolate. The second path was the path of fame and fortune, the monopoly path, which led to the character being bankrupt, going to jail. And the final path was the Mario path on this side, which was the path of perfection, in which Peter couldn't measure up because he couldn't do it perfectly every time. And he ended up going into Bowser's castle. So when the character went down each of these paths, the carpenter was there. He would bring him up out of those paths that led them to destruction, remind him that the only path was to follow him, that he was making a way for Peter. You know the story. Peter would deny Christ three times. Christ would say, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep, Peter. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Well, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. God's grace is sufficient for all of us, right? Even in the trial We may get off, yet he is allowing us to come back to him, even amidst the trial. But James actually talks about the two paths here in this first chapter. He has two paths. He has the path that we've been talking about in the verses 2 through 4, the trial then your faith is tested and you show this steadfastness or endurance or perseverance, which leads to completeness, perfection, which leads to the crown of life. So the sanctification of God's people through the trial, which leads to the crown of life in verse 12, which we've read. We're essentially being prepared for eternity to receive the crown of life. So God's people embrace the trial knowing God's work is being done in and through us to produce this work to make us more like Christ. Humbling ourselves and we're trusting in God's plan. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing for you. That's what he's doing for believers. But there's another path. And Peter shares that as well. I'm sorry, James shares it. It begins in verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. You see the word translated tempted here, but each person is tempted, is the same root word in the Greek for trial. But this path is different. Why? Because the path actually leads to death. 
Whereas the path that we've been talking about leads to the crown of life. So what is the path of death? It's temptation and the the desire to sin becoming birthed or conceiving in our heart leading to the act of sin in which there is a duration of sin without repentance which leads to death. Listen to it again. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, that's that period of unrepentant sin. The sin is fully grown. Brings forth death. So the path that leads to death begins in temptation or trial. The path that leads to life begins in temptation or Trial is characterized, the one that leads to death is characterized by an unsubmissive heart and exposes what is actually in the heart of that person, a desire to go against God. So brothers and sisters, How do we prepare our hearts and minds knowing that the trial is coming or is already here? Are you trusting in the Lord your God? Though he slay me, I will hope in Jesus, right before he went to the cross, spent all night in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he asked for his disciples to pray for him too. They fell asleep, right? We know the story. They fell asleep the night before Jesus would go to trial. To the cross. We hope that nobody falls asleep during this time, right? But we would like an opportunity to pray for you. So if you're in the midst of a trial today, we want to pray that you remain steadfast. We want to pray that you continue to trust in God amidst your trial. We want to pray that God would give you the strength to endure this hardship. That God would be at work in your heart and your mind preparing you for an eternal weight of glory. So let's do that this morning together. The altar is open. I know we're going to do communion in a minute. The altar is open. If you'd like to come down the altar, somebody would, will gladly from our congregation come and pray and lay their hands upon you. And pray with you. Why don't we stand and I'm going to pray. And they're going to sing right behind us. The altar is open this morning. Just like Nathan said earlier in the video. We need one another.
And we need to pray and ask the Lord God Almighty to hold us fast amidst our trials, amidst our problems, our temptations, that we may declare he is worthy. So let me pray for us. Father, we ask that uh, you would be with those today who are struggling. The trial seems so big in their life. Lord, we pray for people uh, that are here this morning, that they would just be encouraged by the word of God to remain steadfast. Because you have not forgotten them amidst the trial. We pray that we would ask for help in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you stand, come forward at this time.